no matter what you want to do, you can do it and do it well and make a life off of it. It doesn't matter really what it is because at the end of the day, it's all about following your joy. Welcome to the Genius Women Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisiuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer with work in some incredible publications like National Geographic, Afar Magazine, and more. I'm a firm believer that every single one of us is worthy, brilliant, and has a unique voice that needs to be shared with the world right now. I'm on a mission to help other women who want to grow their travel storytelling careers go after their dreams while feeling supported, worthy, and bold. If you're ready to ditch your fear to decide, step into your brilliance, and build your dream creative life, you're in the right place. Let's go. Welcome back to Season 2, dear listeners. Today, I'm very excited to kick off Season 2 of our Genius Women podcast with a conversation I had with Michaela Trimble, a travel writer, photographer, and author of a debut fiction novel exploring the intersection of architecture and shamanism in Mexico City. Michaela writes for the New York Times Style Magazine, Vogue, Continent Traveler, and Travel and Leisure, among others, and she is based in Mexico City. Michaela was one of the first people I contacted when I started on this path, and she so graciously shared with me her time and insights. The email I got from her back in 2016 inspired me to keep going and continue on this path, and I'm so incredibly grateful to her. I love talking to Michaela about her path, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to get a firm understanding of the travel media industry and get ongoing support on this journey, I want to remind you that through our platform, we offer the Travel Journalism Masterclass called Storytellers in Action and a membership called The Circle. You can find more information about both at our website, geniuswomen.com. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to share a piece of our content. That helps us out so much. Share our content, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, and if you feel like it, leave us a podcast review. All that helps us out so much. It helps us grow and spread our message. So that's the best way you can support us. All right, let's get into the conversation with Mikaela. Welcome to season two. All right, Mikaela, I am so, so excited to welcome you to our podcast. I've been a fan of yours and of your work for, it seems like, quite a few years now. So I'm just so excited that uh, we get to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, So you are in Mexico City right now, right? How is it feeling over there? Yes, I'm in Mexico City. Um, Well, it's sunny. So I'm sitting at my um, kitchen table and it's sunny looking out into the city. Um, But I would say it's pretty much the same sentiment as many parts of the world right now. But we are making it. And for for our listener, just a little side note right away. Do go and follow Mikael on Instagram because sometimes she posts about her life in Mexico City and just such a beautiful and inspirational and aspirational stories i i was watching when you were showing your um apartment i think you were like decorating it or remodeling it or something and 
it just looks so beautiful. I just love it. So uh, definitely go and follow Mikhail on Instagram. We'll, we'll link to her account on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like setting up my apartment here was kind of a side effect of travel writing and being on the road so much. I really took it upon myself to get super grounded. So I relished in the design part of the process. <laughs> yeah, and it shows you, you set up a really beautiful space. So that's really awesome. I want to start our conversation where I usually start, which is, tell me, Mikaela, what were you uh, dreaming about as a kid? Ooh, as a child, I was such a happy little nerd. I loved reading. My parents had to really encourage me to get outside. So I eventually found sports and loved riding my bike and all that good stuff. But I could read I could read everything and I did and I was constantly reading and that's when I really first discovered how incredible storytelling, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or journalism, just how powerful that medium could be because I got to escape into little worlds all the time as a child and it just continued to fascinate me. So I was always in a book, really. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, I can relate to that because that, that was me as well. <laughs> Did you guys have libraries or was it common for you to go to the libraries growing up? Was that a thing? Oh, yes. So we had school libraries through my whole life from elementary up until high school. But a really, really cool thing that I grew up with and I actually went to school in Oklahoma for eight years as a child and a program they had there was called Accelerated Reader. And I'm not sure if it's common around all of the states, but it basically encouraged kids to read more. And we were given point goals within our classes. So it was a competition to see who could get the most points. I actually know that I won every year from first to sixth grade. So yeah, so that I think was such a magical program because it really taught not just me, but the entire school and all the children to really enjoy reading, even if it wasn't um, something they naturally gravitated to. It really encouraged that sense of adventuring through books from a really early age. Yes. Oh my gosh, I can relate to all of it. Yeah, we didn't have a program like that. But for me, the library was one of my favorite places, the city library, where I grew up. I just love the smell of books and the sound, the, the tactile experience of books. Yeah. Oh my gosh, me too. Like my mom used to joke because when I was a kid, I think Barnes & Noble started. I know I very much appreciate smaller bookstores now, but my mom used to say how we would go there and I would disappear for like two hours. It's always been my little refuge as well. So I can definitely share that. What were some of your favorite stories? Oh my goodness. Well, first and foremost, I was of the Harry Potter generation. That was definitely my jam and I loved it. I read every single one twice probably, but there were just so many. I can think of more off the top of my head, but... Um, that stands out as being probably like, like the most iconic, mind-opening world that was presented to me as a child. 
I mean, the worlds that she created there, right? It's just incredible. And I think, at least for me, as a fiction writer, that's one of the things that really draws me to that is creating worlds and just having this amazing, rich space to play in where you could really just create anything you want. So you, you read a lot growing up. Uh, sounds like you went to school in Oklahoma. Did you know who you wanted to be growing up or was it more like an open process? I pretty much knew. Um, I, I moved around a lot as a kid. So by the time I got to Florida, South Florida, I was entering, I believe, my sophomore year of high school. And I remember distinctly being in an English class where we had to write an essay about what we wanted to be. And I wrote that I wanted to be a foreign correspondent in Warsaw. I just always knew, like from being so young, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I was always writing and reading. So I think my developmental brain was when I could grasp what that could look like, I kind of translated that to foreign correspondent. And I remember watching Blood Diamond as a kid and being like, that's it. <laughs> that's what I want to do. That was always pretty solid for me. I always kind of knew the path, but not exactly how to describe it. <laughs> Was travel a big part of your life back then? No, not at all. Um, well, domestic travel was. I was a competitive volleyball player my whole life. So, and so is my older sister, who's five years older than me. So, my loving, loving parents were constantly driving us around all over the country, basically, um, mm -hmm. to do volleyball tournaments. So, I was on the road, but we only went on a handful of international trips through my childhood. It's just uh, the reason I'm asking is because you mentioned that you wrote an essay that you wanted to be a foreign correspondent. So it's like, hi. I don't know. I guess it's just intuition. I always had this craving to experience other places and cultures, and that often came out with books. But as my physical presence, I wasn't traveling really as a kid now. Yeah, it's so interesting how that unravels, right? Because for me, for example, I remember for some time I wanted to be in international relations, actually. And I had this idea that I, I was going to be like working with all these different governments and maybe United Nations. So like that curiosity for other cultures and other peoples and places. Yeah, I recognize that as well. It was so interesting how it then later on shows up in our lives. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I can't tell you how many times I looked up the United Nations or requirements to be um, working in an embassy or an ambassador. <laughs> um, I was just always the same way. Like it was, how do I get out there? And I think that's when that exploratory phase starts in the dreaming phase and trying to figure out, okay, like here are all the ways that it could happen. And then eventually we both stumbled on the same one. Were there any women that inspired you or impacted you in a very significant way in that time? Yes, but it was mostly when I was in my, it was in graduate school. I would say I can talk about that, but I, that stands out the most to me as. So you went to grad school. What, what did you study in grad school? I studied global marketing and advertising at Emerson College in Boston, so you, you wanted to be a foreign correspondent. You loved storytelling and reading. How did that turn into global marketing and advertising? Well, I was in the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. So that was my undergrad. And actually, there something that I feel really passionate about is um, 
changing the narrative on journalism. So starting in college in undergrad, I remember I was a journalism major and in my very first intro to journalism is the exploratory class where you go over all of the different paths of a journalist could take. The teacher stood up in front of the class and told us all the ways that we could fail as journalists and why we should change our major. Yeah, I I wish I remembered his name. I really would write him an email. I remember him telling us that and it really scared me because I felt... I I knew what I wanted to do, but I I knew I didn't want to have a life of struggle. So I changed my major. (laughs) I changed it to something else. And then I eventually switched back to journalism and then actually ended up graduating with a PR degree, a public relations degree. So then I really figured how could I take this international lifestyle that I wanted and translate it into something that would pay well. So that's how I landed on the global marketing and advertising, because I saw that maybe it could be working for a larger corporation and international relations or something like that. So that's how the path took me. But then I eventually found my way back to journalism (laughs) as I had intended. And a large part of that is because of my, one of my teachers at Emerson, her name was Melissa Andretta, and she totally changed my life. She's probably the number one person who changed my life. In what way? How did she impact you? She was an adjunct professor, first of all, and she was the global marketing manager, I believe, of Iceland Air. And she just had this spirit about her, like nothing was impossible to her. Everything could be figured out. She was so solutions oriented. And she figured out how to take my entire class to Iceland. (laughs) And even most of us got scholarships to go. And it was this kind of real on the ground learning experience. And it just totally rocked my world. I was like, yes, this is it. (laughs) Like, I just saw how clearly she was living in her purpose. And um, she ended up actually introducing me to who would become my boss at Afar. Brian Kincaid. So that's how I ended up working at a travel magazine was because of her. Yeah, she asked me what my biggest dream was. And I said, you know, I've always pretty much known I wanted to be a travel writer and work at a travel magazine. And that's how she made the introduction and kind of the rest was history. So... Wow, that's incredible. Because like you have this juxtaposition of this person who (laughs) caused you to change your major and he was so negative about uh, the prospects. And then you have someone else who is totally different perspective. And I think for me, that's one thing that I'm learning on this path, or rather any path, is that it's so important to surround yourself with the people who are going to rock your world and nurture you, right? Instead of putting you down and telling you that it's impossible. Oh, yeah. And I I think that's something I really feel passionate about and I want to eventually do in my life is work with kind of young writers, maybe on a college level um, as a professor one day myself, because there I just think there are so many people that will tell you you can't do something. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is one to tell you you can, because especially when you're younger and in school and you're in those formative years, Those examples and those beacons are so important. So I just, I I was looking back and I was like, thank God I had a really strong sense of self and never really wavered too far because I always knew, but imagine if all the people I encountered 
said, hell yeah, you can do it. (laughs) So I just, I want that for um, future generations. I want them to know that no matter what you want to do, you can do it and do it well and make a pro like make a life off of it. It doesn't matter really what it is because at the end of the day, it's all about following your joy. And that's where the kind of special sauce is. Yes. Oh my gosh. Everything you're saying, I completely agree. And it's so interesting. I feel like we come from different backgrounds and environments, but in some ways our paths are not that our paths are very different, but the way we think about life and what is possible in life what what were some of the things that that person told you that first one that said oh just you know forget about a career in journalism was it like some sort of stereotypical things that you would imagine it was a while ago now but I just remember him saying all the ways it would be impossible that we Mm -hmm. wouldn't make much money we would kind of stay at these low-level positions for a long time That it was a dying profession, probably, or something like that. Yeah, the essence of what he said all led to this idea that if we chose this path, our lives would feel like a struggle. What a thing to say to, like, young students. I feel like it's this very, like, old-school mentality that thinking that things have to be hard and buying into this concept that struggle equals success. And I totally don't buy into that anymore (laughs) because I think, it can be easy. And now that I'm an adult and I've learned this myself, but it can be easy and it can be fun and it can be delightful and joyful. Um, so I think that he happened to be speaking from his own experience, but it wasn't necessarily real or true for anyone else. But at the mm-hmm. time and as a college student, it felt really very real to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I understand that so well. And I think Liz Gilbert says that in one of her books that's slightly tangential, but still relevant, that this idea of a struggling artist and that you have to like earn your art through struggle and through turmoil. And if you don't have that turmoil, then you can't create art, which is something that always resonated with me too, that because she says that, no, it it, it can be joyful. Why can't we create out of joy and not out of struggle which is such a different way to think about it than than what we're used to perhaps as a society i just love that i 100 percent agree with you there i think it can and should be joyful and you are a living example that is possible and i want to get into all of that as well so you're out of school you start working at afar magazine which for our listeners if you've been listening to this podcast or heard me speak or talk about this subject, you know that I love Afar Magazine. I love uh, working with them and their whole philosophy on travel and the incredible power that travel can hold. So that's amazing. What happened next? So you were at Afar for some time in your life. It was at the end of 2015 and I ended up leaving around February 2016. So I stayed on a few more months to finish up. And I booked a with my friend Mariana Yamadi to really kickstart freelance life. We planned this incredible, I believe it was around two month trip to South America. And it was this beautiful, incredible experience of us both just kind of going for it. I wrote, she photographed, and we probably did over 20, 25 stories in that time. And it was a dream come true. 
I started in Panama, then we met up in Colombia, and then we traveled to Ecuador and Peru. So it was a very magical experience. Lots of adventures, lots of hiking in the mountains, in Cotopaxi, outside of the capital of Ecuador, and then in the Amazon, and went to the Galapagos. It was amazing. So that was really the kickstart of freelance life. And that was all designed with purpose to jumpstart that. For me specifically as a writer, and Mariana was very also very excited to do more photography. So I I want to dig into that, but can we talk a little bit about what made you want to do that? Because I feel like that is a decision that many people mull over in their heads, but it's also a scary decision, right? You're leaving a, a position, you're leaving a secure employment, and you're choosing to pursue something that's a bit less stable. So kind of walk us what was the impetus for that or what was your desire for that was that something you always knew that you eventually wanted to go freelance or was there something else that uh, drove that oh yeah i'll be very honest when i joined afar it was on the sales and marketing side so it wasn't on the Mm -hmm. editorial side and i got to do the most incredible things (laughs) in my role. I was the brand manager. So what that meant was I got to go to conferences and represent the brand at all these different shows alongside my boss, Brian, and then the kind of leaders of the team and the founders, the CEO. And it really was a super exciting opportunity to meet so many people in the travel industry and it completely opened up my world. And it was like such a rush to go all over the world and meet all these people. And I was also working on revenue for the magazine through kind of digital programs, ads, things like that. So I slowly started to write for the digital site and I started working with one of the designers to work on the Instagram. So I was getting really into the social and digital content, which really lit me up and really is how I started. I was very much digital first. So actually a role opened up at a far that would was on the editorial team. And I told my boss and I told the team, I was like, I really would love to apply for this role. And it, it wasn't really accepted. And they honestly like really discouraged me from it. It was another one of those times where I felt like there was like a big no, like in my path. And So I said, okay. And I was like, I'm taking this as just meaning that my path is supposed to go a different way. Not that it means it can't happen. So I quit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually after I quit at first, it was a hard blow. It was a hard thing for me because I felt very much like that was like a family environment. I didn't want to leave, but I felt, again, that was just part of my journey and that was necessary for my next kind of evolution. So that's really why I decided to go freelance. And then the rest is history. It really worked out well. (laughs) Something you said just now, and thank you for, for sharing the story with us. Something you said just now is that when that happened, when, uh, when you didn't get that position that you wanted, the editorial position, you interpreted it as a sign that 
your path is is going into a slightly different direction. Not that it's impossible, but it's just that you have to take a certain, let's say, a detour or a different path to get there. And I just want to pause here for a second because one question that I was introduced to last year that I just love so much. The question is: Here is this event that happened. Now, what are you making this event mean? How are you interpreting this event? And I feel that's what happened with you, that this event happened in your life, that this editorial position that you were after didn't work out. And you could have interpreted it as, well, I'm just going to keep doing marketing because it's not working out. But no, you said, no, it, it just means that I have to take a different step. And to me, that's also about this doggedness and about this commitment to the path, which is something that I always talk about, the commitment to the creative path. And no, I'm going to go on and I'm going to figure out a way to do it. If it means I have to quit my job, that's what it means. But I'm committed to this path. And that's what I heard from your story, really. Oh, Yeah. A hundred percent. I knew it. I knew it deep inside of me. And I'm grateful that kind of my parents raised me to have a lot of confidence. Um, and that I was really sure in myself to know that it could still happen for me because I agree with you. I think it could have been interpreted in a different way and I could have not ever done it. And I think that would have been pretty sad. And I, I do think that happens to a lot of people. That comes back to my sincerest, deepest passion to be one of the people that tells others that they can do something. When I think about it, it's just so sad that there's this culture of telling people or like trying to keep people in their lane. People naturally want to grow. And I think it's just to encourage that and to encourage them to kind of live in their truest path is is a beautiful thing. And I would always want to do that for others. So I think that really taught me that lesson. I, I, I had learned it quite a few times already, but that was the final one that was like, yes, I still am doing this. This is how mm -hmm. much it means to me. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love everything you just said so much. And this is the reason actually why Genius Women as a platform started. That's exactly the reason, right? It's to lift up other women who, for whatever variety of different reasons, are feeling like they're keeping small and we want to enlarge everything that we're doing. One of the surprises that I had last year when I started this platform was how much I enjoyed it, how much I enjoyed working with other women, interacting, lifting them up, sharing my advice and my stories. It, it just, there's so much joy and spaciousness in there for me to do this work. It's, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. Helping other people find their path or what this a creative life looks to them is, it gives it so much back to you. It's kind of like when more joy is created in the world, it just elevates everyone. So I applaud you for that. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. Thank you. So what happened next? So, okay, so you went on this amazing trip with Mariana and sounds like you, you really planned it strategically, which is amazing, right? It's not like you just, oh, I'm just going to go travel. No, you, it sounds like you were really strategic with what you're doing in those two months. And then what happened next? How did you start figuring out how to navigate this career? Oh, it was this crash course, but a very calculated crash course. <laughs> yeah, I had most of the contacts, the on-ground contacts in all the countries, because part of, at the magazine, I really specialized in Latin America, which was very intentional. I knew also early on that I wanted to specialize in Latin America. So all of the itinerary and logistics of where and when 
and why we would go, what stories we were after was really clear. From there, it was honestly not that difficult. Like it was just a lot of the editors I knew too. So it was just about reaching out to them, introducing ourselves and sending the story ideas. And it was a role of commissions. And from there, I spent three months doing that. And then I came back to New York and moved out of my apartment. And that's when I started really my deep dive into being a true digital nomad, (laughs) Um, which was exhilarating and difficult at the same time. And I also would not trade that stage of my life either. So that three month trip was really this incubator for what was to come. So I'm very grateful that happened the way it did. So tell me a little bit more about your fascination with Latin America. Oh, goodness. It's just such an, it feels just such a natural fit. My high school years were spent in South Florida, and it was a very international place, and a lot of Latin American cultures were represented. Um, my One of my favorite people in the world <laughs> was my volleyball coach, who was Puerto Rican, who taught us and half Spanish, half um, English, and just living in Florida really opened my eyes to Latin America, truly. And I always thought at some point in my life, I would end up in Miami, which is yet to happen. But um, yeah, it was, I think living in Florida really was the gateway to Latin America for me. And from there, honestly, I just think it's the most fascinating place in the world. (laughs) It's just, it lights me up. And it shows in your work, by the way, because I I remember seeing, I don't remember which magazine it was, but the work you did with the weavers. Oh, yes. One of my favorite stories ever. Oh, my gosh. It was so beautiful. And the imagery and just everything was, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it shows in your work that you have this passion and this joy from this place, which is so amazing. One of the things that really sticks out to me as to why is because the kind of, Native cultures of Latin America are still alive and they're Mm -hmm. still present and they are living cultures. Mm -hmm. So these stories and these traditions are so alive now. And growing up in the States, that's something I felt so disconnected from. And growing up in Oklahoma, we were raised and schooled in a little bit of a different way. I think I was one of the only people that I know that actually had a history class of Native American history, along with my U.S. history, from the perspective of when the pilgrims arrived, which is not the complete U.S. history at all. So I feel like that was also a little seed that was planted in me. And a lot of my classmates were Native American, which felt really like a whole picture of what ideally the entire U.S. would look like. So I always felt like that was a missing piece for me. And so experiencing the people who come from these lands and that their families and the families before them and everything are from here. There's that connection piece that I always yearned for because I think I always didn't know where I belonged. And that came from moving around a lot as a child and also this general sense of America just being so young and none of us really being from there. So that to me, I think, is this intense call that came 
that was calling out to me to come here. I think that's where it really comes from. It's uh, resonating with me a lot, actually, because I feel like I don't belong anywhere. And I often think that's why this career of a travel journalist and of trying to find relation to other cultures, what's a driving force beyond that is because I don't feel like I belong or that I relate. You know, my Russian roots, I, I forgot my Russian roots, but I never put down roots here in America, if that makes sense. So I think I understand what you're talking about. That pool for people and places that are so rooted. There's something so attractive about that. Yes, it's exactly the same feeling for me as well. I, I think you, you also mentioned that you had contacts um, in the industry and, and how that was really helpful. So when I started, I had no contacts and it took me a while to learn that this is an industry just like any other where it's really helpful to have contacts and to develop relationships and to really get to know people. And it's just something that I want to call out and point out that just like any other industry or just like any other human endeavor, it always helps when you start building relationships and developing your contacts in the industry because that's how this industry works, just like many others. So I just wanted to point that out. I definitely agree because the contacts I did have were friends who I had worked with and taking a bet on me was much less of a gamble because they knew me versus someone who was emailing them that they didn't know. So I do agree that was very advantageous for me starting out. And I applaud you for doing it without that. <laughs> it, it was a difficult path, right? It was, yeah. like, it was difficult for that reason. That was one of the reasons why it was difficult for me because I didn't have any of that. What I always tell people who take our class and in our membership is that you can use the opportunity or when you pitch someone, treat that opportunity as a chance to start a relationship because oftentimes as you start pitching and as you start putting your ideas in front of people, maybe they won't take that one pitch that you had. But as you're continuing to pitch them and hopefully developing a relationship sooner or later, they, if you do your homework with the pitches and if you tailor it to the publication and if it fits, sooner or later that relationship starts. And at least that's how it unfolded for me that over time I started showing up on editors' email lists, even though they might not have taken my pitches yet, but they see the potential that I have. And eventually they will work with you or they will want to work with you. So never estimate, I guess, the power of putting your ideas in front of someone and that potentially leading to something later down the road. Yeah, I totally I agree. I think it's more important than the travel industry context is how good of a student you are and how dedicated you are to studying publications because it can be somewhat of a formula. So you see the different verticals a publication has and you see what stories they typically cover and then you can see where your interests and passions lie and how your ideas could potentially fit into their model. So I think that's even more important than the contacts per se, because we're all full of stories already. Like we don't even have to really travel to be a travel writer. So I think it's more so how much you study the publication and see how your ideas can fit their voice and their tone. Yes, I love that you said that because that's exactly also what I 
what I share and what I teach as well, that exactly that. You have to study, you have to figure out what the verticals are, what their focus is. And, and that shows, right? When you send a pitch that's not tailored, when, when you haven't taken the time to understand all that, it shows in the pitch and editors will see if you've you know, taken that time or not. So I love that you pointed that out. Okay, so you've been on this freelance travel journalism path for quite some time now, and you've had some incredible assignments with Vogue and the New York Times and other publications. And it may sound like this is all fabulous and incredible, and it is, but there's also some challenges on this path. So tell me what are some challenges that you've experienced? I would say my main challenge was more so a challenge of balance. So I don't think I ever felt totally healthy on the road. And it was hard. Like it's mentally hard to travel. Like it is not as enjoyable when it is at the level that I was doing it literally all the time, it it got hard. It showed in my body, like I was physically carrying more than I needed to because I was constantly flying or eating at the airport or waking up so early and missing sleep. I went all in so quickly. And I think I wouldn't change anything of my past, but I do think there was this certain level of travel burnout. That was one of my biggest challenges because I knew when I needed to kind of pull it back a little bit when I was on an assignment that was a dream and I was struggling to enjoy it. (laughs) So I knew that was all I needed to know, to know that there was some kind of work I needed to do to balance out my life. So I think that, yeah, I had the time of my life on one hand, but on the other hand, it was just a struggle to, like, you think of all the things that happen in your life when you're steady and in one place, you have close relationships maybe a relationship with a partner, you have routines, you're seeing friends, all these things that kind of set the foundation, these really grounding elements of identity (laughs) weren't there. (laughs) That was my biggest challenge. It was just balancing what it felt like to feel like I was floating. Gosh, I subscribe to all of this. Yeah, like for me, relationships, that was a big one for me because it's so hard to maintain. And my friends, some people have told me, yeah, I I don't message you because I just don't never know where you are. Yeah, same. And it's hard. It's so hard and you feel so isolated and so lonely Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, it's like life goes on at home without you. And then there's this weird thing that happened where there's the home life. And then I felt like my experience level and my soul was progressing at this level that felt this supersonic speed. I feel like I was coming back and being like, I just learned such an incredible lesson. And I felt like I was changing so quickly. And then it felt weird to come back to, for example, coming back to New York And I've realized that like no one really cared, (laughs) you know, like they would ask me kind of how my trip went, but then it, it was kind of the same thing. It felt the exact same as when I had left, like nothing had really changed, but I was changing so quickly, but then the home and where I was, wasn't changing at all. So I was like, wait, there's this big gap. And that doesn't feel good. So that was also something that I wasn't expecting or didn't know that came along with it. 
And I think that goes back to that idea of surrounding yourself with people who are both nurturing you, but are also on similar journeys in a sense, right? Because then, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that might have been even an impetus for you to, to move to Mexico City, perhaps, because I know Mexico City has a lot of, let's say, expats, digital nomad community that's really strong there as well. Was that one of the reasons that you moved there in search of that community of people who would understand what that feels like when you come back changed forever from a trip? Kind of, yeah. I At first, I lived in Argentina and Buenos Aires for more or less a year. And then I came here in 2018. And Mexico City is just incredible. It's It, it feels really good to be here. And yes, there mm-hmm. is this incredible community of both locals um, or people that are from different parts of Mexico who have come here. And it's super international as well. I mean, tons of people from all over the world that found themselves here and enjoy the lifestyle here. So yes, I would say one of the reasons I love it here is how incredible my community is. And with respect to community, have you noticed or have you seen other women in this field of travel journalism? And have you felt that community in that career space? The reason I'm asking that because, again, another reason why Genius Women was born, because I did feel like all of us are just trying to figure this out on on our own. I didn't really feel that supportive community in this career. So I'm curious if, if your experience was similar or different than that. I would definitely say I had some very close allies, <laughs> um, <laughs> like really amazing women who are journalists or guidebook authors that became like a little family. But I would say in general, I do think the industry is quite competitive. So it can be isolating in that aspect. And that's a reason I'm going to launch mini workshops. And that's a reason I I want to open up this idea that this industry is only for the few. Because it shouldn't be that way. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Why the exclusivity? Why this guardedness? And I think that comes from That comes from this idea that really the scarcity mindset, that there's only a few opportunities for the select few and there isn't enough for everyone to enjoy, which I think is absolutely not true. We are all so unique and we all have such unique perspectives and experiences that, you know, there's so many ways to tell a story and different stories that I just, I I, I don't subscribe to that notion, but I have experienced that as well, for sure. Yeah, I don't either because I I always say that there's there's just like no one in the world that sees the world the way you do <laughs> because like you and I could both walk into the same building and notice totally different things. If it's an architecture story, you could gravitate towards the colors and I could gravitate towards the just like the carvings. Like it's just there's a whole world out there of perspectives and I really believe the same as you that it should be opened up because travel writing was traditionally and it's very like older white male heavy that's kind of how it started just like these long narratives of traveling through places and just really this observer mentality so I I want to see different voices I want to read stories from different races different gender identities I want to know I want to know how it is for them to travel and what they notice so I like I think feel very passionate about opening that world up to different. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And 
On that note, tell us what you're working on uh, right now. What's bringing joy uh, and that spaciousness into your life? I know you're just um, wrapping up a novel, which is an incredible accomplishment. So tell us what, what you're working on. Yes. I So from a journalist standpoint, I'm covering Mexico quite heavily right now, which has been really, really fun and just an expansion of a very particular passion that I already had from living here. So on that front, it's been really interesting. And a lot of my interest is also in architecture. And so I've been kind of cycling to certain buildings and um, around the city. And that's been really fun and writing about different architects and their legacies here. Um, and then so that also that interest plays into my book. So I just completed my first fiction novel. So amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's just, it was so, it was literally like the most, my word for 2020 was euphoric and it really felt euphoric. Like I loved it. Like I, and that goes back again to what we were talking about before. Like it, it wasn't a struggle for me. Like it was delightful. So that's another thing. Like it can be delightful <laughs> to write a book. It doesn't have to be hard. I thought it was just the most, because journalism is very instant gratification unless your story gets held up in the pipeline. But the, so going from this very kind of almost reporter style of life, like writing and seeing the product of your writing published fairly quickly to this kind of slow burn was really interesting. Yes, absolutely. And when does your book come out? When can we see it on the bookshelf? Well, hopefully the end of this year or early next year. I'm sending it to agents probably next week. So hopefully mm -hmm. this spring I'll confirm the agent and publisher. And then the timeline varies, but I'd say within a year. Wishing your book path and journey a, a very good luck and good gracious journey to, to the book. Thank you. Me too. That's I'm awesome. excited. And tell us more about, I think I saw you uh, post about this actually on Instagram. Tell us more about the, the mentorship that you were, you were mentioning briefly earlier. Yes, I, I really want to get into writing more and sharing that journey I've had. So um, working with kind of young writers in a one-on-one -on -one capacity to build out their portfolios and coach them along the way. And then also doing more mentorship programs from both the sides of young writers um, with workshops and kind of deep dives into freelance writing. And then also, I think it's important to open it up to press too and see kind of what a journalist is actually looking for when they're working with press as well. And where can people find more information about that? Where can our listeners find more information? Yeah, it's on my Instagram. It's at Michaela Trimble or my website, which is MichaelaTrimble.com. I think this is an exciting time to be in the space. I see more people doing things like that, workshops, programs, mentorships, and I just love it. And I think that we need more of that. And the more we can, like you said earlier, the more we can show and say yes to more dreams and more paths 
rather than no, the better. I truly believe that the world would be a much better place if we have more people who are living out their passions, their dreams, their talents, and living in a more expansive way. So I, I applaud you and your effort. That's amazing. And I'm excited to, to learn more when it launches and when you have more details on that. That sounds awesome. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree. I always say there's space for everyone. If everyone's kind of living in their truth and following what's right for them, there's always space. Absolutely. So on that note, um, if you were writing a letter to yourself when you were just starting on this fabulous freelance travel writing and photography path, what would you say? Um, that's a good one. Um, mm. You know, actually, I. it's so funny. I... Um, in a roundabout way, I think I'll answer this. We all have these kind of goals and dreams. And I think I had this realization the other day that I remembered how I had asked my boss at Afar if I could do a three-month exchange in Mexico City with our Mexico City office. And I remember he had like laughed at me and was like, no, Michaela. <laughs> and then I remember just like how bad I wanted to do journalism and write and write all day and really kind of live this artistic lifestyle. And then I had this realization that that all came true. And I actually live in Mexico City. I didn't just visit. So yeah, I would tell my younger self to keep going. And also to my present self, for example, with my book, I think this applies to all ages. It's like anything that's in your heart space right now that you're desiring it is on its way to you already. <laughs> that was only a few years ago. So it's just, I think that, I guess I would just tell my younger self, just keep holding the vision because as, when you hold the vision, then you give it chance to seed and plant and grow. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. Thank you, Mikhail. This is exactly what I would say as well. That's keep going and give space to your vision and don't give up on your vision and it's going to come to fruition. Absolutely. Yeah. A friend of mine, she's one of my best friends here in Mexico city. She always says it, it doesn't matter. All it matters is that you have the vision. Like you don't even have to be considering all the tactical steps it takes to get there. Like they will come. The most important part is just holding the vision. Amazing. So I want to close, even though I feel like we could speak more because I <laughs> there's so much more that I would love to ask you. But what I want to close with is this question that I always close, and it's a big one, but how would you start thinking about what does it mean to be a woman who is stepping into her brilliance today? What does it mean to be a woman stepping into her brilliance? When I hear that question, I just feel excitement. I think we are living... Even in the kind of uncertainty and uncertain times we're living in right now, I still believe in my heart of hearts, it's the best time ever to be a woman <laughs> that we've ever seen. So I feel like there is more opportunity now than ever. So I feel so excited when I think about that. And I just see a light because all the incredible women in my life continue from my mother to my friends to my peers people like you it's this kind of network of women uplifting other women and I think just how incredible it is to be living in this time when we're all activated and I think we're entering a new age in general where it's going to be 
more important to adopt like more matriarchal views. So yeah, I think it's so exciting. And it's exciting that we all have these platforms to share what we're doing on and impact others. I love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for coming to our podcast, Mikhail. Thanks so much for sharing an hour of your day with us today. I hope you found it useful. And if so, please consider subscribing to our show so you never miss an episode. Want to get your question answered on our show? Visit GeniusWomen.com slash question to submit yours and we'll answer it in a dedicated episode at the end of the season. And remember, women is spelled as W-O-M-X-N. That's GeniusWomen.com slash question. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for our conversation with a travel and wedding photographer and the creative entrepreneur, Kristen Sweeting.